Topical, topical preaching, that's obvious. It's a topic. Expository is a passage of Scripture, sometimes an entire chapter, and you preach through it, through the chapter. So I'm going to, and I, I, I said the word attempt because I, I, I love topical, but I'm going to attempt to do an expository sermon today, the book of Romans, chapter 12, because it's going to speak to us in helping us answer the question, what kind of people ought we to be, to continue answering that question. Romans 12, the first two verses, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Something's not right. Oh, excuse me, just one minute. That doesn't matter for y'all, but online it does. <laughs> Hello, online. Maybe now I'm not in a great big shadow. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then... I'm going to come back and go over this. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now last week I think I said, be careful that you are not a friend to the world. Because scripture is clear, to be a friend of the world is to be the enemy of God. We are not to be friends. And I said, I'm not going to define that for everybody. Because Holy Spirit has to define for you. Because you don't walk in my shoes, I don't walk in your shoes. All of us, our world, if you will, is unique to us. Holy Spirit, though, will show you if you ask him, have I become a friend to the world in any area of my life? Because if so, I want to break, I want to take, I want, I want to repent and confess that and get that under the blood and walk away and turn away from that. But look what Paul's saying to the Roman church. Now remember, these letters are written to congregations not the city of Rome, to the congregation, the church in Rome, as this letter is, is written to. So it's written to believers, of course, to a congregation. Do not conform, do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, so you know what verse 2 is? Verse 2 is one of those, and there are many throughout Scripture, what I call if-then instructions, or if-then even promises. If my people which are called by my name, for one of the most famous if-then verses in all the Bible, do this and this, then will I hear from heaven. This is an if-then. And the then part of this, I want to just make a real point here because he says, if you walk in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, renewed in your mind every single day, then you will know the will of God. Man, the question of the ages, one of the questions of the ages anyway for believers, how do I know God's will? What is God's will for my life? How do I find God's will? What, where, where do I find? How, how, what is God's will for my life? Here it is very clearly. If you walk not conformed, 
And I'm going to say, when you are conformed to the pattern of the world, you're a friend of the world. But you are rather transformed by the Spirit of God, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know the will of God. Then you will know the will of God. Now, Paul goes on to warn us, and I'm going to just segue to a couple of verses in Timothy. These, I mean, you can't read these verses enough, and I've read them, I don't know how many times, just in the last two or three years, certainly from the breakout of the plague and all of the impact worldwide, along with all of the other signs of the soon return of our Lord. But Paul is writing to young Timothy, his spiritual son, the one that's going to take over his ministry, and he says, but mark this... There will be terrible times in the last days. Pastor Christie just mentioned that. Things are not going to get better. Sorry, they're going to get worse. Darkness is going to get worse, but the glory of the Lord is still coming. It's going to sweep the earth and quench darkness. But darkness, Paul is very clear, terrible times, perilous times. Some translations even use the word times of terror around the world, even here at home. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Oh, I saw this. I have to tell you, I have to pause right here. I got this story in my news, and again, I don't get my news from secular media. I get my news from faith-based sources. I got, I got this story that a certain mainstream media outlet, I'm not even going to name it, did this report from interviewing a couple of people, and they, and, and they say that there is a condition that some former evangelicals have called rapture trauma. I'm not kidding you. This was a report on a mainstream news channel. Oh, I grew up hearing about the rapture, and it's made, I've been afraid ever since. I can't sleep. I have to take pills. I've been anxious. I've been depressed I, because I'm afraid the rapture's going to come, and I'm not going to... A bunch of nonsense. But see, understand what that kind of reporting is. What is it an attack against? Christianity. It's an attack and it's persecution against the faith that we all hold dear. And it's just going, it's going to continue. I don't even want to refer much more to that. It was just so, ugh, you know, I just felt like I think I threw up in my mouth a little bit reading that. It was dis, just despicable. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And these were ex, by the way. They'd walked away from their faith. And they're saying this about rapture trauma. It's diagnosable now. They're probably going to start writing about it in all these psychological journals and teaching it in the medical schools. Who knows? Where was I? Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And look at this now. I'm reading this for a purpose because I'm talking about don't be conformed. Look at the next verse. Having a form. A form of godliness. But denying its power. They have a form of what's right. A form of godliness. But they deny the power. They are conformed 
people, not transformed people. Conformed, not transformed. Conformed people base their faith entirely upon rituals and ceremonies that have no life in them. Form of godliness, but denying any power whatsoever. They keep religious practices religiously. They keep religious ceremonies ceremoniously. They follow religious rituals ritualistically. They follow religious traditions traditionally, but all they have is a form of godliness without any transforming power. Now I want you to, I read over it, but I'm going to come back to the last sentence in that verse, verse 5. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, when you identify a person like that, have nothing to do with them. That's strong. That makes us uncomfortable But that is what God's Word says. Have nothing to do with them. I hope you understand that you're going to have people in your lives that you're going to have to love from a distance. From a distance. You can pray for people too, from a distance. (laughs) You can certainly forgive people from a distance. And only you know Only you know if your light is being swallowed up by their darkness or not. Because a transformed person cannot do life with a conformed person. If you're walking with, doing life with anyone who falls into the category, man, there's a lot of stuff listed there in those verses in Timothy. You might better heed the words The last part of verse 5 there, have nothing to do with them anymore. I'm talking about learning how to walk away from certain people. And And again, this is all under what kind of people ought we to be. Learning how to walk away from certain people. Even if... You are blood-related to them. I said it, yeah, I said it, yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if. Church, I've had to walk away from pastors before that just, I mean, not to get into any detail, I mean, some pastors just don't, you know, they don't walk in love, they don't, they're boastful, they're proud, they're arrogant. I, you know, they, they fall in the category of some of these the verses we just read. And I've had to walk away from pastors, walk away from relationships with them over 30, you know, something years of ministry now. But sometimes you have to do that for your own spiritual well-being. And again... How we're supposed to be living in these final days, in these final days before Jesus comes again. We are not to ever be conformed to any pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say a little bit about that transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit. When Christ enters your life, He does not just remodel you. 
He does not give you a makeover or an upgrade. He does not re-educate your mind. He does not reform you. He transforms you. He does not just wash sinful hearts. He puts, according to Scripture, a new heart within you, gives you a new mind, a new spirit, and a new purpose. Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That's what transformation means right there. God said it, the old is gone, the new has come. And the very next verse starts with these five words. Words You won't see it on the screen because I'm just going to give you the first five words of the next verse because it says this, and all of this is from God. This is, that's God's part. All of that is God's part. For the old to be gone and the new to come. A new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, a new purpose, a new path. He doesn't just, again, make you over and repaint you and fix you up. My friend, if God's going to heal a diseased organ, He gives you a new organ. Hallelujah. He's the one that gave you the first one. He can surely give you another one if you need it. God is the one. All of that is from God. And when it came to the covenant of His law and His revelation to the earth, He didn't just rewrite the old covenant. Scripture says He gave us a new and a better covenant. He didn't just tweak the recipe of the old wine. He gives us new wine. I believe that this latter glory that we know is coming and has begun coming to the earth this is a new glory from the Lord. I believe it is a measure of the glory of God that has never before been poured out upon the earth. It is a latter glory, a new glory that has been reserved in heaven for these last days and has never been, out bef- uh, been poured out before. Hallelujah. That's why it's going to be a greater glory. You know, when we pray and sing the songs, do it again, do it again, Lord, do it again, Lord, do it again. Well, do it again, but do it a whole lot bigger than you did the last time. Or do it for the first time. Man, I believe God's going to release some things from heaven that the earth has never seen and never known before. Created in the beginning, but held in reserve. You know, Daniel, wasn't Daniel told us, uh, you know, chew this up and swallow it, you know, tuck this away, this will be hidden away. Nobody's going to see this or hear this or know this until the time of that revelation needs to come forth and then it's going to be released in the earth and it'll come like a new work of God, a new manifestation and a new glory. Hallelujah. When you confess your sins to him, he casts your sins into the sea of his forgetfulness. You mean God's forgetful when he chooses to be? He says, I cast your sins into the sea of my forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Mm. When God looks at you, he doesn't even remember that you ever sinned. Can you even, we can't even grasp that. I mean, that, that's just like, that's impossible to even get. He doesn't even remember that you ever even sinned. Wow. Clean before him. 
No hint of sin, no shadow of sin, no residue, no stain of sin upon you because that was the old you and the old you is gone and there is a new creation. He gave you a new heart, hallelujah, when you came to Him. There's no remembrance of past sin. The old is gone, the new is here. And again, all of this is from God, hallelujah, is God's part The Bible says we confess our sins to him. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Wow. Two verses down, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light, fellowshipping with one another. Don't, oh man, don't discount that. There's something so spiritual, there's something related to the cleansing and the purification of our lives as we walk together in fellowship with one another. That's a part of it as well. Now, Pastor, everybody knows that even when God heals us, even when God forgives us, even when God redeems us, we're still left with scars as a reminder. Mm-mm. Don't get mad. And that's real popular. A lot of books, a lot of songs say something like that. I do not believe God even leaves a scar when he operates on you and me. When he does his surgery, he does not leave a scar Now, understand the result of a natural surgery is a scar. As a reminder of a natural or physical surgery, God is not natural, nor does he do things naturally. God does things supernaturally, which means they are better. And when he does a surgery on you, he does not leave a scar. You see, there's something about natural scar tissue. Natural scar tissue can rise up one day and kill you. That's right, it can. That's why I believe with all of my heart, God does not leave a scar anywhere inside or on the outside of you when he forgives you, when he heals you, when he delivers you, when he sets you free, he leaves no scars, hallelujah. Somebody needs to get that. It's a revelation for you right now in this moment. And Satan himself does not have the power to take any of your past and bring it out from the, under the blood of Jesus. No power. Church, the Bible says we're a holy people. We are God's special possession. We are a people that do not conform to the patterns of this world, but we are transformed by the power of His Spirit and by the renewing of His mind, our minds. Now, you see, I told you I was going to attempt to, I'm already off the, I've already gotten off the, get me back on the expository. Where were we? Romans 12. Here we go. (laughs) Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Oh, if all you do is take selfies, updating your online profile every other day or so, then I have to say you are more thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Think of yourself humbly. That's what soberly means. Humbly and with great restraint. For each of us, verse 4, has one body. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Ain't none of your business. Don't be getting in my business. Each member belongs to all the others. Hmm. We have different gifts, verse 6. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, whatever giftings that you have in your life that have come by the hand and by the deposit of God, as Sister Esther Ilniski, one of my spiritual mothers, used to say to me, just do it. Just do it. The Bible tells us that unless we do, unless we do something with what God has given us, man, I don't ever, ever, ever want to be guilty of standing before God and having Him say, you wasted the gifts that I deposited into your life. Unless you do something with it, you're deceived. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Somebody once said it like this. If you work it, it'll work. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. That's true. Folks, talk is cheap. Words are cheap. Titles are cheap too. Beliefs are cheap. Even your faith is cheap. Now wait a minute. The Bible goes further about that. The Bible says that your faith is dead unless you act upon it. Unless you do something with it. Gifts given to you by God are worthless if you don't do anything to use them. Because I hope you're not, I hope you understand you're not measured. You are not measured by God according to what you have, according to what you possess, according to what you have earned, according to what you have stored up. Rather, your life is measured by what you give away, what you spend for the sake of others. Didn't we just read, didn't Paul just say, we all belong to one another? We belong to one another. That's a description of the body. Your, 
your level of provision is also measured not in what you have, but in what you give away. Because when you pour, there's more. When you stop pouring, there's no more. What you give away is what will come back to you. You need hope today? Give hope to somebody else. And hope will come to you. You need to be forgiven? Give forgiveness to someone else. Forgiveness will come back to you. You need some love today? Give some love. And love will come back to you. You need joy today? Make somebody else's day a little brighter and joy will come back to you. You need peace today? Give peace to somebody else. Do you need to be understood? Give understanding to someone else. Do you need a healing? Pray for somebody else's healing. Do you need a job? Help somebody else find a job. Do you need a friend? Be a friend. For God's sake, would you? Nobody called me, nobody, nobody. Be a friend. I need prayer. Pick up the phone and get a prayer. (laughs) Lord, help us. We all belong to one another. So when it comes to giving, do it. Don't applaud it. Don't agree. Don't nod. Amen. That that doesn't mean you're a giver. You got to give. If you're a giver, you give. You have to do it. Paul listed some things here. Leading, if you're a leader, lead. Do it. If sh- Mercy, then show mercy. Give mercy away. If your gift is serving, then serve, he said. My friend, if it, it, if it, when it comes to praising God, you've got to praise God. You have to praise the Lord for yourself. When it comes to prayer, you've got to pray. When it comes to encouraging others, do it. When it comes to forgiving, do it. When it comes to putting God first in your life, you better just do it. When it comes for standing up for what you believe in, do it. Don't call yourself a giver and you don't give. Don't call yourself a follower of Christ and you you don't follow him. Don't call yourself a servant and you don't serve or a leader and you don't lead or merciful and you don't show mercy. Don't call yourself a worshiper and you don't show worship because faith without works, without action is dead along with every gift you do not use. My friend, if you signed up for it, then you better step up to it. Step up to it. This is the kind of people we ought to be in these last days. More than ever today, let your yes be yes and your no be no. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Yeah, but, yeah, no, yeah, but we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing's going to change that. So we just read it. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Belongs to all the others. You can sleep in your garage every night. It will never turn you into a car. You can attend church services every week. That alone will never make you a true disciple, a true follower. There's no such thing as spiritual osmosis. You come to enough church services and you'll become holy. Mm -mm. 
You come to enough church services believing that and you'll merely become conformed. A form of godliness with no power. If you're a true disciple, you know how you got that way? You made a conscious choice to follow Jesus Christ. It didn't just happen because you attended church. Somewhere along the way, you were transformed by the power of His Spirit and you received a new heart. Don't be a person that draws near to God with your words, but your heart is far from Him. That's a conformed person, not a transformed person. Let's continue on. Romans 12, verse 9. Love, this is practical Christianity. This is just practical how to walk it out every day. That's what I love about Romans chapter 12. And it answers, continues to help answer the question, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of person ought I to be? Your love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. My friend, that's the application of that. I don't know. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit. Apply that to my life, Holy Spirit. How is my love not sincere? Show me. Am I truly hating what is evil? If I'm not hating what is evil, show me that I'm not. I want to hate what is evil because you've told me hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 1 John 3, 18. Dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And I'm saying that that is what sincere love is not love with words or speech only, but with actions and in truth. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And I want to say that. Hate what is evil, not just in words only, but by your actions. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. Can you truly be devoted to a person you see two hours every Sunday? You all know that, the answer to that. Of course not. Of course not. We can't be devoted to one another, just sitting next to someone every Sunday for a couple of hours? you got to walk this out every day. Being devoted to one another and honoring one another above yourselves. Folks, these are just practical ways to walk out our faith. This is, this is speaking to a lifestyle of Christianity, not Christianity as an event that happens or an experience we get once a week when we gather in this building, but a lifestyle, walking it out in this time and in this hour. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Wow. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your fervor. Now, that's not a word we use every day. But it means this, great warmth and earnestness of feeling. Hmm. You know what that says to me? We are even supposed to be emotionally invested in serving the Lord and serving one another. Warmth. That's a reference to our feelings, our emotions. Zeal and fervor and passion. 
I mean, we are emotional. We're creating the likeness and image of God. God's emotional. He laughs, he shouts, he sings, he dances, he gets mad, he gets glad. He, we, uh, he has emotions and so do we. And our emotions are involved in our service to one another, our service to the Lord, certainly in our love for God and our love and how we express that to him and to one another. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says this. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't go there yet. But verse 12 of Romans uh, 12, Romans 12, 12 now. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I want to challenge you this week, maybe for the next month, I don't know, read Romans 12 real slow. I mean, these are these phrases, I mean, this is meaty stuff, and they're instructions to us how we ought to be living. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. I'm about to lose my last nerve with all this is going on around here. I need patience in this affliction of mine until it passes. <laughs> Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Now Hebrews 6 verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped his people hmm. and continue to help them. The love we've shown God as we've served one another. Through our service to one another, we demonstrate our love for God. Wow. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Mm. Don't become lazy, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need... Practice hospitality. <laughs> I'm so thankful that we have a, a few neighbors on our street that we can just go walking up on, in the evening at 6 o'clock and knock on the door and they're glad to see us. I know how hard that is now in this you know, day and time we live in. <sighs> oh, I would never just go unannounced to... With one another? Really? With us, we all belong to each other. The word says, we just read that. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. People who walk in the light, we just read that in 1 John 1, 7, will have fellowship with one another. Share with the Lord's people, especially those in need. Practice Privacy. That's what a lot of us tend to do. The word says we're to practice hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. It's getting harder, isn't it? Bless and do not curse. Now folks, think of the application. I read a headline every day of martyrdom, 
somewhere in the world for the gospel, for the sake of the faith every day. And that's only the ones that get reported. Think of how people living under threat of murder, execution, martyrdom for their faith, how they apply, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Our brothers and sisters in the faith, they're detained, imprisoned, falsely accused, tortured, even martyred because of their faith. But the word is the word. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. There's a verse talks about when you suffer for the sake of the gospel, you are identifying with and fellowshipping with the very sufferings of Jesus. Wow. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And again, this is being written to a congregation, a church congregation. I believe when you celebrate the blessing of others, you set yourself up to be blessed. Did you hear what I said? When you celebrate the healing of another, you position yourself for healing. When you rejoice with the promotion of someone else, you set yourself up for promotion. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. There is something so deeply spiritual for us when we attend the funerals and the memorial services of the saints as they pass on from this life. Well, I didn't know, I didn't really know them. You should, were they a part of your church? You should still come. You should, we should always mourn with those that are mourning. There's something so spiritual in that. I mean, that's a great way for you to uh, give a great witness to someone that doesn't know Christ, a friend or a family member, a relative, a co-worker with a, a, a loss, a death in their family, that you're there to mourn with them. We as the body of Christ, we're to rejoice w- with others who rejoice, celebrate with them when they're celebrating, mourn with them when they're mourning. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Now he's speaking to that again. He said, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to at the beginning of this chapter. Now he says, here, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Folks, pride, mm, it has a most intense, Intoxicating effect upon you. It never sees another's need. Pride will always promote self. Pride will actually set you against God, who resists, resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride is the original sin which first appeared in heaven. Do not be Proud. I think Paul was like, if, 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 I, if I was a little vague by saying, don't think more highly of yourself than all, let me be a little clearer. Don't be proud. Don't let pride get into your life. Associate 
with people of low position. Hmm. Now that verse has an application uh, quite different for India. I think you know what I mean by that. An entire society is about position and or class. Many of the parts of Africa as well, kings and chiefs and etc. in the tribal kind of cultures of much of Africa associate with people of low position. Whatever that low position represents in their lives. A person of low financial position. A person of lower mental position. A person of low influence position. A person of low economic position. Paul is saying whatever reason someone is in a lower position than you is not the point. If they are in a lower position than you, associate with them in whatever ways are appropriate as you can. Now remember, he's already said all the members belong to one another. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible... If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hmm. If it's possible, obviously it's not. That's why he's saying if it is, strive to be at peace with everyone, but there are going to be some and he's not going to have it. Not going to have it. Like I said, some you've got to learn to walk away from. But our position is to be, try to have peace and harmony with everyone. Certainly in the house of God, there is no room for that in the house of God and among us as the body of Christ. There is no place in the body of Christ where you're sitting over here because you've decided that person over there has offended you and you're never going to speak to them again and you come to the same church every Sunday. The devil is a liar. The Lord rebuke you if that's you and you're in this room. I know there's none in this room like that. There's no place for that. No place for that. Live in harmony with one another. Live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, do not repay evil for evil. Verse 19, do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. The definition of revenge, he gave it to us. In verse 17, when he said, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
That is the definition of revenge. An eye for an eye. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back. You reject me, I reject you. Never repay evil for evil, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And the Bible also says it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And finally, verse 20 and 21, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Hmm. Do not, verse 21, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And my friend, when the righteous, when we do good, it's holy. It means the good that we do is righteous, is holy, it's redemptive. The good we do to others are seeds planted into their lives that can lead them to a place of salvation, to a place of healing, to a place of a personal victory or breakthrough or revelation because we do good in the name of Jesus. As one who has been redeemed, even your smile is righteous. <laughs> your handshake is righteous. Your have a nice day is righteous. It's holy. There's life in it. Your hug, there's life in it. Your hospitality is holy. Your giving. Your service is holy, it's righteous. That's the good that we do. Acts 10 verse 38 describes Jesus as one who was anointed by the Holy Ghost and power to do good and heal all those oppressed by the devil. And my friend, that's who you and I are in this earth today as the redeemed of the Lord. We are the anointed of God, anointed by the Holy Ghost and power. We are those who do good. We are those who release healing to all those oppressed by the devil. Hallelujah. This is how we ought to be living in these final days. When you go home today, get Romans 12 in front of you. With the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me more personally in each of these points. I mean, there's like, depending on how you break them up, there's 20-something principles there of practical lifestyle Christianity, how to walk with one another. Because see, it speaks to both, how we walk together with one another and how we walk with the world and toward the world. Would you stand with me today? Let's bow our heads. Again, I told you earlier that God comes into your life. He doesn't remodel you. He doesn't just refurbish you. He doesn't just give you a little upgrade here and there. He gives you a new heart, a new you. The old is gone. The old has passed away. Holy Spirit, bear witness in this moment with each one of us who have purposed 
that we want to live according to your word, that we want to be the people we ought to be according to your word in these final hours before Jesus returns, making room and getting ready for the glory of the Lord to cover the earth, to cover and fill his church. The banquet is made ready. And Lord, you've sent us out to the highways and the byways to bring them in so they have a seat at the master's table. Help us, Holy Spirit, never to conform, but to be transformed each and every day to choose, to choose to love you, to choose to serve you, to choose to, again, use that that you've gifted us with and deposited in our lives each and every day. Never are we to try to get back at anybody, but we're to walk in love. We're to bless those that persecute us, bless those that lie on us, bless those that have offended us. We're to bless them, to pray for them, and yes, even to serve them. When we serve them, we're heaping coals of fire on their head, the conviction of the Holy Ghost comes upon them. I mistreated you and you're still loving. You still, you still bless me. You still, you're still kind to me. Because Lord, what we do, we do as unto our God. Lord, I don't do what I do to get points, to earn titles, to get promotions, to have a better reputation, to be loved by everybody. You said, if it is possible, we're to walk in peace with everyone. So, Lord, help us be a people transformed so that we might be used to bring transformation to others and bring healing just as Jesus did to every person who is oppressed in some way by the devil. That we go about doing good in the power of the Spirit, anointed of you, healing and bringing life and hope to all who are oppressed of the devil. As we do good in your name, as we do good as the saints of the Lord, as the righteous of God in the earth, as a holy people, your special possession. So we thank you for that today. Let that be our pledge and our, our, our daily commitment that we be devoted to you and devoted to one another and that we be salt and light every day in the world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you today, church. You can be dismissed.